chapter sixteen of monte cristo's daughter by edmund flagg this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter sixteen amid the Colosseum's ruins one of the first things maximilian morel did after he and his wife were comfortably installed at the hotel de france in rome was to make a formal call at the palazzo massetti and present his letters of introduction to the aged count giovanni's father the old nobleman who was at least seventy and very patriarchal in appearance because of his flowing white locks and long snowy beard received the young frenchman with great urbanity and condescension in a sumptuously furnished salon full of rare art treasures and dazzling with gold and satin he met him with outstretched hand and said warmly at the same time glancing at the captain's card as if to refresh his memory i am delighted to have the honour of welcoming so distinguished a visitor as captain maximilian morrel to the palazzo massetti pray be seated captain and consider my residence as yours the count spoke french fluently without even the faintest trace of a foreign accent and this fact as well as his charmingly cordial manner caused the young soldier immediately to feel at ease in his presence i assure you count returned maximilian bowing and then seating himself that the pleasure is mutual the aged nobleman also took a chair and for a time they conversed agreeably on various subjects the count had been a brave active soldier in his day and was much interested in french military affairs the visitor who was thoroughly posted on this topic and devotedly attached to his profession gave his inquisitive host every detail he demanded and was particularly enthusiastic when he spoke of the parisian workmen who as he asserted could leave their accustomed toil at a moment's notice and encounter the perils of the battlefield with the endurance of trained veterans at length maximilian thought he could venture to feel the ground in regard to his mission it was certainly a very delicate matter but the count's politeness and bonhomie encouraged him to proceed looking the old nobleman straight in the face he said i believe count you have a son named giovanni who was recently in paris instantly the aged roman's brow clouded and he cast a scrutinizing glance at his guest then he said coldly i have no son maximilian in his turn gazed searchingly at the count but the latter's visage had already assumed a stony and defiant look that seemed to oppose an insurmountable barrier to further conversation on this subject there was an awkward pause during which the two men continued to gaze at each other m morrel though much embarrassed and disconcerted by the prompt check he had received was the first to break the ominous silence i ask your pardon count said he but the young man of whom i spoke represented himself to be the viscount giovanni massetti is it possible that he was an impostor 
the count's aspect became more frigid he replied icily i repeat that i have no son maximilian was sorely puzzled he knew not what to think or say the old nobleman arose as if to terminate the interview he showed no trace of excitement but m morrel felt certain that he was a prey to an internal agitation that he with difficulty controlled there could be no doubt that giovanni was what he had represented himself to be for had he not passed as the viscount massetti in rome as well as in paris but one solution to the mystery offered itself the count had disowned his son disowned him because of the terrible crime with which he was charged from which he had been apparently unable to clear himself m morrel also arose but he was unwilling to depart thus to be summarily dismissed as it were he determined to make one more effort to get at the truth count he said i do not wish you to misunderstand me to impute to mere idle curiosity my desire to be informed concerning this unfortunate and unhappy young man i know that a black cloud hangs over him that at present he is branded and disgraced i was not aware however that his family had cast him off monsieur returned the count impatiently you are strangely persistent i am persistent count said maximilian earnestly because the viscount massetti is not alone in his misfortune another an estimable young lady is now languishing in paris on his account i pity her said the old nobleman impressively so do i rejoined maximilian from the bottom of my heart i pity them both and that is the reason i am here may i ask the name of this estimable young lady certainly her name is zuleika she is the daughter of the world-famous count of monte cristo old massetti gave a start and the muscles of his face twitched nervously but he managed to control himself and said indeed permit me to inquire what relations the young man sustained towards the daughter of the count of monte cristo she is or rather was betrothed to him my god another victim does the girl love him she does with all her soul did he betray her did he lead her astray no his conduct towards her was in all respects that of a man of the strictest honour heaven be praised for that then no damage has been done let her forget him i fear i know she cannot she is young isn't she very young then time will heal her wounds she must forget him for he is unworthy of her love but do you feel no affection no pity for your son i tell you i have no son how many times must i repeat it the count's look was harder than ever all the pride and haughtiness of the massettis seemed concentrated in the expression of his venerable countenance maximilian opened his lips to speak again but the old nobleman stopped him and said sternly we have had enough of this captain morrel let what has passed between us on this wretched subject 
be forgotten i shall be glad to receive you at any hour as a friend but if you value my acquaintance my friendship never mention that young man to me again farewell monsieur the count touched a bell and a valet appeared maximilian bowed to his host and guided by the servant quitted the palazzo in this street he stood for a moment like one utterly bewildered it was plain that the elder massetti had fully made up his mind as to giovanni's guilt and if the father deserted his son what hope was there that the cold heartless world would not follow his example maximilian was in despair at the very first step in his mission he had been unceremoniously and firmly halted what was he to do should he acknowledge himself finally defeated because his initial attempt had failed so disastrously no that would be miserable cowardice he would persist he would make further investigations he had undertaken this work for zuleika to restore happiness to her heart and light to her eyes and he would not abandon the task no matter how arduous it might be until he had cleared giovanni or obtained tangible incontrovertible proof of his guilt fortified by this resolution m morel returned to the hotel de france valentine met him with a look of anxious inquiry he endeavoured to seem cheerful to make the best of the situation but the effort was a pitiful failure he sank into a chair and said to his wife in a dejected tone i have seen the count massetti he believes his son guilty and has disowned him valentine seated herself beside her husband and tenderly took his hand maximilian she said it is a bad beginning i confess but you know the proverb and i trust the good ending will yet come it will not be our fault if it does not replied her husband heroically at all events we will do our best and we shall succeed i feel confident of that thank you for those words valentine you are a perfect enchantress and have brought my dead hope to life that evening the morels decided to visit the Colosseum. they desired to see the gigantic remains of that vast fabric of the caesars by moonlight to inspect amid the silvery rays the crumbling courts and galleries that ages agone had echoed with the proud tread of the elite of barbaric old rome conducted by a guide belonging to the hotel de france they set out and were soon standing among the ruins of the great amphitheatre there they were seized upon by a special ciceroni who seemed to consider the huge wreck of flavius vespasian's monument as his particular property and who could not be shaken off he joined forces with the hotel guide and the twain jabbering away industriously in an almost unintelligible jargon led the helpless visitors from one point of interest to another showing them in turn broken columns the seats of the vestals dilapidated stone staircases the fosse de Lyon, and the podium de cesar maximilian and valentine were filled with unspeakable awe and admiration as they contemplated the remnants of ancient grandeur and mentally peopled the wondrous coliseum with contending gladiators stately patricians and the applauding herd of sanguinary plebeians 
madame morel shuddering as she thought of the thousands of high-bred dames and beautiful maidens who in the old days had pitilessly turned down their thumbs as a signal for the taking of human life although the moon was brilliant and flooded the antique amphitheatre with argentine light the guides carried torches which served to spread a flickering and wan illumination through the dark recesses of the cavernous vomitariums now the refuge of bats owls goats and serpents as they were passing through a long and unusually sombre gallery the guide suddenly paused with a simultaneous cry and began making the sign of the cross maximilian and valentine halted in affright the former hurriedly drawing a small pistol to defend his wife and himself against the unknown and mysterious danger they glanced about them but could see nothing the torches revealing only huge stones and dust-covered vaults m morel demanded of the guides what was the cause of their terror but for some moments could glean no intelligence from their vague unintelligible replies at last one of the cicerones managed to explain that they had seen the maniac this was comforting information to the visitors a maniac at large and ranging at night about amid the Colosseum's ruins valentine trembling with fear clung to her husband for protection is it a man or a woman asked maximilian of one of the guides a man signor is he violent dangerous no signor neither but his appearance gives one a terrible shock he is so wild-looking and besides he mutters fearful curses holy virgin protect us maximilian felt his curiosity aroused a strange desire took possession of him to see and speak with this singular madman who frequented the gladiators courts and muttered fearful curses to the broken columns of the Colosseum. Where is the maniac now? he demanded of the guides. Do you see him? Heaven forbid, replied one of the men, glancing about him uneasily. But where is he? Can you take us to him? persisted Maximilian. The Cicerones looked at each other in amazement. The young soldier's questions startled them. Valentine was not less amazed and startled than the guides. She stared at her husband, speechless at the strange interest he displayed in this miserable outcast. Can you take us to him? repeated Maximilian. Signor, said the guide belonging to the hotel, you are jesting. I am not jesting. I am in earnest, said Monsieur Morel. Answer my question of course we can take you to him signor answered the guide but you had best avoid him the sight of the wretched massetti will drive your lady out of her wits at the name massetti both maximilian and valentine started they glanced at each other and at the man who had spoken thinking that they had not heard aright massetti cried m morel when his astonishment permitted him to find words did you say massetti yes signor i said massetti the maniac is old count massetti's disowned and disinherited son what the viscount giovanni the same signor oh this is dreadful dreadful maximilian whispered valentine clinging still closer to her husband 
it is indeed dreadful doubly so because entirely unexpected said m morel but i must see young massetti it was no doubt some mysterious influence some indescribable magnetic power operating between us that made me wish to see this man this maniac as soon as he was mentioned i must see him and at once as the guides possessed but a very slight knowledge of the french language in which the dialogue between the husband and wife had been carried on they failed to grasp the full import of the brief conversation they however understood that their patrons were in some inexplicable way interested in the maniac of the Colosseum and appalled by the sudden discovery of his identity the situation puzzled and dissatisfied them after thinking for an instant maximilian said to his wife i will instruct the guide from the hotel to conduct you back to our apartments it is best that i should meet poor massetti alone seeing the wretched man in his present terrible condition would certainly shock and unnerve you valentine gazed pleadingly into her husband's face all her fear had left her she was calm now and resolved she had proposed the trip to rome the project of aiding the viscount and she did not wish to recoil from taking a single step that might be beneficial to giovanni and zuleika she said bravely do not send me from you maximilian i will be stout-hearted and courageous i am not afraid of this poor young man now maniac though he be perhaps i may be able to help you in dealing with him for a woman's wit and tenderness they say can sometimes subdue and pacify those whose minds are disordered when all a man's efforts have failed maximilian looked at her lovingly and admiringly so be it valentine he replied much affected you shall remain with me and we will face the trial together his wife's eyes expressed her satisfaction at this display of confidence she simply grasped her husband's hand but though she uttered not a word the warm pressure she gave it spoke volumes m morel turned to the cicerones who were waiting in silent bewilderment take us to this maniac without an instant's delay he said the guides exchanged glances shook their heads as if in protest and again began making the sign of the cross maximilian was compelled to repeat his command somewhat sternly and imperatively before they made a movement to obey it then very reluctantly they motioned their patrons to follow them and took the lead muttering prayers to the blessed virgin the little party quitted the sombre gallery and made their way into the open air after they had gone about twenty yards the guides came to an abrupt halt and one of them pointed to the centre of the vast gladiatorial arena look signor he said to m morel there stands the maniac of the Colosseum." maximilian and valentine peered quickly and anxiously in the direction indicated but saw nothing there signor repeated the cicerone still pointing then all of a sudden maximilian and valentine beheld the figure of a man standing as motionless as a statue beside a vast fragment of stone the moonlight fell full upon a manly noble form 
revealing a handsome countenance that might have belonged to one of the old roman gods the man's dress was in picturesque disorder and on his bare head was a crown of ivy leaves in one hand he held a tall staff while the other was lifted menacingly hark said one of the guides with a shudder he is cursing monsieur and madame morel listened horror-stricken filled with a nameless dread a faint but distinct murmur reached them gradually swelling in volume it was a fierce bitter malediction full of intense burning hatred seeming to embrace god man and the entire universe in its scope the guides fell upon their knees and covered their heads and prayed to the virgin in low tones maximilian took valentine by the hand come said he let us go to him madame morel trembled slightly but answered firmly i am ready then hand in hand slowly cautiously not knowing what might happen they advanced towards the maniac of the coliseum chapter sixteen